Welcome back riders around the world. My name is Gary Solomon and you're watching the Laidback Bike Report. Welcome, Bent Riders. It's so nice to have you all with us today. We've got a panel of guests today that has been assembled that may never have been on one show before. I'm sure they've never been on one show before. You're going to enjoy this one, I think, guys. Let me tell you about what's going to be on today's webcast. We're going to start out, uh, shake things up a little bit, and start out with Denny's uh, sports report today. He has a special guest. Sandy Earl is with us. Then we're going to go to our large panel that I will introduce later. Uh, we're going to talk about a special event they are putting together and uh, called the Battle of the Brands. And uh, then we're going to get into a deep dive on the future of two-wheeled bents uh, with some people that know a lot about this subject. So stay with us for that. We're going to go on then, of course, with uh, some viewer submissions and uh, and our announcements for the show. So uh, I think you're going to like today's show. First, uh, our limited crew today. Let's go ahead and put the guys on. We uh, we had to limit our crew because uh, we have so many people on the show. We have some limitations in this platform. So uh, we have got uh, Lars Kahn from Salzgitter, Germany. Hello, Lars. Hi, guys. Good to be here. And he is, uh, as always, directing our show today. Going down to Raymond, Mississippi, it is Trey Burgoyne. Hello, Trey. Hello, everybody. Good to be here. And we are glad you're with us. And, of course, I mentioned earlier, Denny Voorhees in uh, Sayre, Pennsylvania. Hey, Denny. Good to be back. See you all. Right. And then uh, a couple more panelists that will be joining us later because we don't have room to get them in quite yet. Uh, Peter Stull will be with us. And of course, uh, Brian Ball will be with us uh, joining in on the conversation just a little bit later on. All right, guys, uh, as uh, most of you know, we run a live chat uh, along with this video when we're uh, webcasting live. Uh, and as many of you know, we started last month. We are uh, webcasting live to YouTube and also to Facebook now on the Laidback Bike Report page. So if you are on one of those two uh, platforms, please avail yourself of the live chat. Uh, we get to see the chats coming in. And uh, in fact, let me um, quickly say hi to a few folks that are here. Uh, we have, uh, uh, let's see, Peter Vick, I saw he uh, was there. And uh, Julie Lovegrove, uh, hi, uh, over in the UK. Uh, and our uh, a couple of our panelists are there moderating as well. Tim uh, Kane is is there, and uh, Denny's going to be moderating. I think Larry uh, Seidman will be there as well. Richard Myers, hi buddy, good to see you. And uh, and I see Brian is on the chat for now too. So we're we're glad to uh, to have him. Susan Straley, the author uh, who has been on the show, uh, great to see you. Joe Lapata. Uh, Pretza Drieten uh, from Belgium. It's great to have you on with us as well. So uh, lots of folks on. We hope a lot more of you will join us with your questions and comments 
for our guests, uh, our panelists, or just you can chat amongst uh, your fellow bat riders as well. So let's do that if you would. Um, we also would hope that you guys would uh, like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you want to find out more about the Laid Back Bike Report, look up in the upper uh, right-hand corner. Yeah, and you'll see a little white eye. And that uh, is for information. It'll take you to our website where you can find out lots more about the Laid Back Bike Report. All right. Well, this show is not possible without some amazing sponsors. We even have a new one to announce today. But let's start out with TerraCycle. Makers of exquisite recumbent parts and accessories for your bent. And Trailside.bike, a fine recumbent bike shop on the Withlacoochee Trail in Florida. And Cruise Bike, designed for the cyclist who wants to ride farther, climb faster, and adventure more. All cruise bikes and frame sets ship free in the USA. And we're really happy to add our uh, our fourth uh, uh, sponsor uh, this month, and that's TerraTrike. Wherever your ride leads, TerraTrike has a trike to take you there. And now including KMX Carts, the trike for the young at heart. How much fun can you handle? Well, I think we're about to answer that question today, right about now. Let's start out with uh, our sports report, uh, Denny and Sandy Earl. Let's get Sandy. There we go. Denny is going to uh, interview Sandy. Sandy uh, has been on the show before, one of our favorite uh, ultra riders. And uh, we're going to hear all about a special ride that she undertook a month or so ago. So, uh, Denny, are you ready to go? I am ready. Do you, and do you okay? Sandy, it's good to see you. Hey, well, thank you for having me on. All right. All right. I'm going to back on out of here, let you two take it from here, and I'll be back in a little bit. Go ahead, Denny. Hey, hi. How are you doing, Sandy? Uh, thanks for taking time out of your training schedule and being here today. I can absolutely not hear Denny. Oh. I hear nothing. How about that? Let me come on back here. I'm not sure. I hear Denny, but you can't hear him at all. Sandy? Uh, having some trouble there, I think. Uh-oh. No, no. Okay. Sandy? Isn't that something? Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't hear anything. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, Gary, I guess you know what it is. <laughs> We're going to have to. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I think, Denny, what we'll do is we can try again at the end uh, of the show after we've done the main uh, thing. I, if you guys want to try to come on back and, and try that, I don't know what else we can do. I don't do. know if I want to tie Sandy up all day because okay. will, you know, it'll be a couple hours. Gary, why don't you take it? You know what? It. Let's, um, Denny, let's talk a little bit, even though we don't have her, maybe she'll hear a little bit about this. Let's go to the slideshow guys. Uh, I'll stay with Denny and uh, yeah. And uh so, Denny, tell us what you know about the, the Red Pearl, and you know a lot about this anyways. We, let's do this anyways. Well, okay. Yeah, I've crewed for Sandy uh, on a number of occasions, and, and she's a great racer. Uh, her and her partner, Bill, are uh, just a joy to work for. And um, they uh, take on some really tough assignments, and they represent the recumbent world quite well. Okay, so now uh, she did do this No Country for Old Men race, right? Yes, she did. And uh, and how long is this course? Do you remember? 
Yeah, it's a thousand miles uh, on this particular race. Is a thousand miles. Uh, okay, let's go on to the next slides here, guys. We're gonna. Well, Sandy can talk to the slides. You know, just give her the questions, and and uh, we'll we'll try to stick to it as as much as we can. And uh, I I know it's, uh, <laughs> but but she's just sitting there not doing anything. Yeah, she can't hear us or or well, anyway. She can so hear you gonna, though. Okay. Can she hear you? No, she can't hear me either. So. Oh. So we're going to just, that's why we're going to do this. Okay. So uh, these are some shots of her thousand mile ride. Let's go ahead and go through yeah. these, uh, Trey. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, the thousand mile course, it's uh, rugged. It's about 36,000 feet of climbing. Uh, you'll see the red pearl racing van. Uh, right now I'm not uh, seeing them. I just uh, putting up the script. So uh Wow, that's yeah. uh, that that's, was like a obviously a high point. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of the high points of the race, and uh, uh, we tried to discover, remember where that is, but we kind of think it's uh, uh, looking out towards Alpine. Uh, okay, one of the locations. And I think a lot of what we had here after this had to do with uh, with the crew. Let's go on to the next shots here. I know. Um, well, the, the uh, let me see what shot you have there right now. Uh, yeah, there we go. There's that's part of her crew there, yeah, right? That's and, part of her crew, and and, uh, and her partner Bill, I think. Yeah, and uh, you know they're they're trying to keep uh, everybody's uh, spirits up. Um, you want to go to the next shot, right? Yeah, okay. Um, Trey, can you take that back to the uh, tarantula on the road? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, look at that. Here. Um, am I here? Yeah, yeah you, you are. are. All Yay. right, yay. yay! I made it. <laughs> okay, great. All right, let's talk about the tarantula. Let's move on from there. Okay. Tell us about that road, Sandy. So so that tarantula uh, was at shortly before that shot was taken six inches from my tire, and it was as big as my hand. Um, they are common in that part of Texas, and uh, gives you an idea about the road surface as well as the... Uh, kind of the ruggedness of the flora and fauna. It was a uh, absolutely, you know, absolute treat to see these guys out just walking around like they own the road. And I, I think they probably do. Uh, what uh, what I thought was significant was the, the road surface was uh, yeah. what we like to call Texas cheese grater because it's so rough. It, it, it is kind of rough. I, uh, I sized up to 28 millimeter tires for this one, and I was really glad to have done that. Um, yeah. Overall, I, I didn't have super you know, discomfort issues, but it definitely sucks the, like you say, sucks the life out of you. So, okay. ah, this is, this is climbing back up um, toward, uh, toward, uh, the second day or the first night actually over uh, an area that's called mule ears, which you can see the mule ears right there. Yeah. That's part um, of the, uh, yeah. the Gun national park, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's in the park. Yes. Yeah, yeah, asked you for the beginning. Let's get a handle on this if we could. So it's a thousand mile course. And how yeah. long did this take you to do this? Took me 94 hours and 50 minutes. Which is amazing. Okay. Yeah. And then, Danny, go ahead. and We're going to ask about what preparations, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got the, and then the next shot, of course, is the, uh, we've seen that one before, yeah. but uh, that's, uh, we, we figure what, going, looking back towards Alpine, right? That's, that's heading, it's he looking sort of towards Alpine. It's looking more, uh, more west uh, oh. of Alpine. Uh, oh, okay. Southwest. Oh, so it's, sure. 
coming okay. in from uh, Lalinda, which is the uh, what we call the end of America, back yeah. toward. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been it's I've been out there four yeah. times. It's really a, it's a you know great great place. So, what type of uh, training preparation did you do, Sandy? Uh, so this was the first, this is my first experience. Actually, I hired a coach, uh, Kelly Moylan, who is an amazing uh, ultra distance coach, uh, Dennis Johnson's Ram coach. And uh, we focused on really a lot more short intensity work than I would have planned for myself. Uh, I we did a few long rides, but not that many. Of course, you know, I have the experience of doing quite a few long rides already. So I think somebody who was newer to ultra cycling would have done more long distance. Uh, but really my longest long ride was back to back double centuries uh, to get ready. But uh, I worked with power. I brought my cadence up um, and all of that made a difference. So. Well, yeah, I, I know you put a lot of preparation into yeah. it. Plus, you lost a, a bunch of weight, too. To, to, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you did well. Uh, what was the highest point of the race for you? Oh, geez, the highest point of the race was was absolutely stupid. Uh, it was it was so stupid, it was wonderful. Um, I was very clear. Um, Dex set a short, uh, soft cutoff for the 378-mile point. And I was riding the line. I was really close to it. Um, and we got 17 miles out. And I was 66 minutes away. And it was like this cheese grater 1% uphill. And I was like, ah, I don't think I can do this. And it's like, yeah, I don't think I can do this. And I'm going to do it. Um, and I just time trialed it out. I got five or six miles from the uh, that goal point post and got text message from Dex that he was waving me through regardless of how long I took. And I'm like, thank God, because I can stop doing this. <laughs> but actually, you know, that moment was so important to my race later on. It was because it was something I could really hang on to as far as, you know, how hard you can go when you have to, how bad you want it when when you want it um and what how much how much it was worth to me so it was really that was a super high high point and of course you have a low point too right oh boy yeah the the lowest low point i had was almost 800 miles into the race yeah there it is right up on screen uh i had gone down for a sleep break and my Crew chief and I had a slight difference of opinion. I thought a 90-minute sleep break would be awesome. She thought that two and a half to three hours would would be the best thing to do. Uh, this is me after 90 minutes. Um, <laughs> I, I am staring down a bowl of oatmeal, and the oatmeal's winning. That's that's like not me. So um, I just I looked up at her and said, "I can't do this. I need another hour." And she said, "You." Good, you go. Um, but uh, you know, in that moment, what I'm literally thinking is, I don't know if I can go. And um, that's it's one of those. And, I, I the the hour of sleep made so much difference. I woke up 
and I was just, <clears throat> I was pretty much on fire. I was ready to go. So, yeah. you know, good lesson there for me. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those, why am I here moments? You know, I, I think we all mm -hmm. get it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Your bike set up, uh, what did you ride and did you make any accommodations mm -hmm. for this race since it, uh, had some very challenging climbs? Uh, <clears throat> well, I had a, um, I have a Schlitter Encore 20, so a 451 700 setup. Um, this is, and, and we had flowers because this was, um, well, this, it was important for me that the, that the race be about feminine energy. So uh, we, we, we did that in space. But uh, back to the bike, we, uh, we set it up. I added disc brakes and slightly wider tires. Um, and since I was spinning faster, I geared down <clears throat> from a, I had been running a 5236 chain set and I geared down to a 5034. But other than that, it was, it's a very standard double setup. Um, right. and we had no issues with it at all. Pretty much run what you brung. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Now, yeah. Did you, did you bring a backup bike by the way? I, <clears throat> I did bring one of my massages as a backup uh, bike. I kind of thought so. so. Yeah. Okay. Ended yeah. up never on it. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Well, tell me about the finish in Alpine. Okay. Um, so I guess two things about the finish were super significant to me. Uh, first one was how freaking hard the last 40, 50 miles were. We had a windstorm come up oh. and I finished with 40 degree temperatures and 35, 38 mile an hour winds in my face. Yeah. Um, literally there was a gentleman who was 10 miles behind me who did not finish the race, uh, because of winds. Um, so I put a lot of, um, lot of credit for that to my crew. They were just super smooth, super, uh, calm through, through the storm, literally. Um, Tim, Tim, uh, Tim Kane's asking what kind of cadence you maintain. Do you have an idea? Uh, so, so I was able to push my cadence. I, I would say, you know, what I train at and what I raced at from what I could tell from my Garmin before it died was I was running around 84. Um, my, uh, my coach loves 85 and I'm like, give me, give me a little, give me a little. Uh, but I, that 84 to 87 is is a really uh, really good sweet spot for me. So good, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, no, yeah. So we've got a couple of the next slide. I see is the uh, the award. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and yeah, there's my squad. Yeah. 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 And, and tell us a little bit about the award. One of the unique things about this race. Uh, so Dex's wife Johnny makes all of the awards uh this is this is the uh, millennium cup that i won for being a solo recumbent champion and unfortunately she she did a great job of actually putting a, a, a bike or a recumbent bike into the into the mix there um and it's it's in a uh, hang on a second there we go and it's in a uh, little highlight there a little but um that's that's a handmade uh, paper mache thing. It's about as big as a basketball, uh, and it's rugged and it's painted. She she uh, hand does all of the awards. 
uh, it's beaded, it's roped, it's like it's like rugged as heck, and I love it. It sits on my mantle. And I, on top of that, Andy, tell us about the prize money that you won. <laughs> oh, the prize money! All that prize money. Yeah. Well. <laughs> it's ultra racing. There right. you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a negative flow. Yeah. It's it, it's a it's a labor of love. We right. I, I, I got talk about the crew, guys. Yeah. Kind of yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. We will. Yeah. Tell tell us about the crew. You know. So I I brought together uh, a crew of people who uh, are absolute luminaries in ultra cycling. Almost everybody, Sharon Stevens, Patty Jo Struve, uh, Sonia Weezer, Man Mandy Ackerman, Elise Ross, Kelly Baldwin, Bill, my guy, uh, who's the only guy on the crew. Um, I added it all up. We had over 100 years of ultra cycling experience in that picture right there. And when you can put a crew together like that, I... It's just, it was very humbling. Um, everybody, as soon as I asked them, just dropped everything to come and do this and be be part of it with me. And we had zero drama, amazing chemistry. Uh, my The gang did everything that I needed and then some. Uh, and... It was it was just a very very beautiful thing and a great experience. Yeah, they, they you know I've worked with some of the people and they they are great. They really are. Okay, so what's on the schedule for next season? Oh, let's see. I have a couple of things. I'm gonna make a cameo at Sebring, and but my A race this year is Natchez Trace. I'm gonna. I decided to go out and do another one of George's races because I love them so much. And I was able to get in, which was a kind of a thing all of its own. Um, but I thought it'd be kind of fun for once to do a course that I could work with rather than against and just see what I can do. Go have some fun. I think you'll do well with it. It's, it's a great course. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Okay. Well, thanks so much uh, for being here. and Great to see you again. And we'll be in touch. Uh, we keep in touch a lot. So um, I'm uh, really happy to have you here today. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot. Sandy, it's been great having you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on again. We we, we will keep an we'll be keeping an eye on you. Uh oh. All right. Yeah. Take Watch it. out. We won't be the only ones, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Thanks, Sandy. Bye. And bye -bye. and Denny, thanks again for that great report. Uh, we're gonna see you hopefully later on. So we're gonna uh, move along, folks, to the uh, main segment of the show. Um I'm going to have the panel come on here. Uh, Lars, can you bring everyone on? And we are going to, I think I'll let everyone introduce themselves. Otherwise, it'll get a little unwieldy. We have a, um, what A.D. Carson termed it on Bent Rider today on a post. He called this the the Bent Brain Trust, I think is what he called it. <laughs> so we have an amazing array of, uh, of luminaries from the recumbent uh, two-wheeled world here. And uh, so you guys, I think, see the same picture I see on the screen. So uh, I'm over here and uh, there's there's Hansa. Hansa, we want to start and we'll just go around here. You guys introduce yourselves. If you would tell me who you are and uh, who you represent. Okay, hello everybody. It's nice to be here with you. I'm my name is Honzagawa and I work for Azebri Companies from Czech Republic and 
Yeah, I write, I've been riding recumbents since 2002. Did some long distance expeditions and mostly do the work here at ASIP. And the market, are you the marketing director, right, Hansa? Is that what you are termed? Yes, yes. I was in the sales as well when, okay. when I started and for the next 10 years. And now I, I'm mostly doing the, the marketing stuff. Very good. All right, let's move on to Maria and Jim. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, we're Maria and Jim Parker uh, with Cruise Bike. I'll let you talk about I'm us. Jim Parker. Uh, we've been with Cruise Bike since we founded it, co-founded it with John Tolers back in 2005, 2006, got it off the ground. And uh, yeah, we love, we love to ride the bikes. We love to adventure on them. We love to race on them, tire trial on them, just ride them around town. We're glad to be here. We are glad to have you. All right, Mike, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Mike Wilkerson from Bachetta. And uh, yeah, just been there since they started it. Before that, I uh, started out uh, wad newspapers to pack the bikes at Rance. So yeah, just been around <laughs> for a little while, kind of know what's going on. Newspapers. I didn't hear Hansa, by the way. So, oh, oh yeah, could, that's asking. we heard. John remembers that. John, I'm not. I'm not uh, I don't remember what are newspapers. Were those? Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, like that's actual paper, about, yeah. not online stuff. You mean? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of going back a ways and rands and all, uh, how about John? Introduce yourself. Hi, John Schlitter. I've been around the block a few times. Back in 1970, Randy built the first two-wheel recumbent, so I've been involved at RADS up till 99, then I went helped start up Pachetta back in 2001, left Pachetta in 2012, now I have Schlitter Bucks. Yes, you do. All right, thanks, John. Great to have you with us. And Jonathan, please introduce yourself. All right, well, I can't follow John Schlitter there, but <laughs> I've I'm Jonathan Garcia. Uh, I'm the current product manager and designer for RANS, and I also co-own a shop, Rose City Recumbents, in Portland, Oregon. And I know all these beautiful people here. Great. And it's kind of bad form on our part to put John and Jonathan right next to each other, but this is the way it worked out. Well, we're going to make this work. All right, guys. Uh, let's start out, if we could, uh, going back to uh, Recumbent CycleCon. We were all there. And uh, I remember talking to Mike uh, about some special uh, conversations and meetings that had gone on. I didn't know a lot of details. I found out more later on. But uh, maybe, Maria, you might be the one to start out with here. Um, you guys had some conversations. Let's start there. Tell us what, what brought you together and what were you talking about? Well, it's always fun to be at Recumbent CycleCon and talk to other people in the industry. You know, you get your head down in your own company, and it's just great to be there and share ideas. And, and uh, you know, Cruise Bike's a two-wheel recumbent company, and so we've been talking. You know, we're aware every time we go to Recumbent CycleCon that it's a it's a trike show. <laughs> it just feels like, hey, we, you know, we got this other whole segment of the market. How do we continue to grow it? So uh, I talked with... Um, John Schlitter and uh, Mark and Mike and uh, you know we just said yeah you know what would be fun to do so not so much really necessarily to grow the market that that's a different issue but just to have fun and to enjoy one another we decided to put together this little thing at Sebring that we're calling the Battle of the Brands 
And the idea is just to encourage as many two-wheeled recumbents as possible to show up, and we're going to do some uh, just a little friendly competition. Um, Let's go ahead and, and pop that slide on there, if we could, Lars. Go ahead and yeah, go ahead, Maria. Yeah. So the the idea is we want we want everybody to just come and participate in either the hundred or the twelve hour. We decided to leave the twenty four hour out because uh, too too difficult, too long um, for scoring and. Basically, everybody who comes and, and rides a mile uh, scores a point for their brand, and we're hoping to to get as many two wheels out there and just sort of get some good pictures, little you know, social media fodder, uh, but mostly just to have fun. And uh, you know, of course, there's some trash talking about who's going to have the most most number of riders out there, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be cruise bike. <laughs> there's some pictures I took a couple of years ago when I was there's out sure. there. And, and could we uh, maybe, uh, we could back up just a little bit and talk about, uh, not everybody maybe knows what the Sebring is about. Could you give us just a real quick history of what that has to do with recumbent riding? Well, Sebring's a terrific uh, ultra cycling race. It's the first one of the year. And um, we've always, I think we've been going to it since we started. Um, Nine or 10 years Yeah, ago. it's in Florida yeah. and um, it's beautiful. It goes through the orange groves. It's relatively flat and um, it's a great event. Oh, there's Sandy. Uh, and no, who's that? I'm not sure. Yeah, and there's a great, there's somebody on a cruise bike, so I'm happy. It's a great, great event um, for- Best for, outfit. Uh, she won the best outfit of Seabird. <laughs> sure, sure. Anyway, it's just a great, fun event for people to come out. And the 100 Mile is a doable, though challenging event for a lot of uh, first-time ultra cyclists. So we're, you know, we're just hoping people come and show. We have a group from Cruise Bike that are, they're, I forget what they call themselves, but basically it's just, you know, show up and, and get in under the 12 hour time limit for the hundred miles. So that's All right. Do you remember, uh, Marie, remember the date? Uh, it's a February, first weekend in February, is it? Uh, I believe it's the second, this is Yeah. We'll post, we'll post yeah. that exactly uh, what the date and is. We need people to sign up before they come. We're going to have a pizza for all the participants and beer at the at the 12 hour uh, 100 mile award ceremony. So we want everybody to sign up before, and um, they can they can do that by uh, going to our website. I'm sure Pachetta also to find yes. us a link. Yeah, we'll put those links in there too. So uh, and people need to get training, right? Yeah, I got eight weeks from today. I rode I rode today. Have you? So there you have it, folks. If you have any hope at all to beat Maria Parker, you first of all, you should have been training six months ago, and you probably still don't have a chance. But anyway. So, it's not about that. It's a participation play. It of course. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. So the Battle of the Brands, folks, uh, that's, uh, what, what, that's the first event that, that uh, these folks came up with to kind of uh, get this two-wheel bent uh uh, ball rolling, you might say. And we're going to talk more about uh, some of these events too. But I just wanted to uh, get uh, the specifics of the Battle of the Brands out there first. And uh, and now I think let's go ahead and move into the, the big question, the overall question of the day. And that is, is there a future for two-wheeled recumbents? That's what we're going to be talking about. Now, I reached out, as you obviously see, to a number of people in, in the, in the uh, recumbent two-wheeled world. And I also wanted to make sure that we had uh, voices from uh, from Europe as well as those from the U.S. Uh, uh, in this show. So Hansa uh, Gala, as you saw, is, was kind of to come on. I also got a statement uh, from uh, from Heiko Truffle from uh, HP Velotechnik, which I am going to read now. Let's get that beautiful shot of Heiko 
who couldn't. There we go. There's my buddy Heiko. Here's what Heiko had to say uh, from HP. Since we introduced our first trike, the Scorpion, in 2005, we faced a real run on three-wheel recumbents. As a result, our product portfolio now consists of 12 trike models versus three bicycles, which reflect consumers' demand. When focusing this share of two-wheel recumbents, the books show an undeniable decline these, fast, these past 15 years. Even in our strongest two-wheeled markets, trikes have claimed the largest part of the field. However, this doesn't cover the whole picture. First, this decline in relative shares has recently slowed down and seems to have consolidated at a robust level. In absolute numbers, the decline is not as dramatic as it seems. Each of our three bicycle models still achieve a fair part of the demand for recumbents, and they can be uh, produced in sound and sane numbers from an economic point of view. The markets in which we are engaged differ widely. Our strongest market, our home market, Germany, is also our uh, strongest two-wheeled market. Sales of recumbent bicycles versus trikes are generally on a low level in our second largest market, which is the USA. Some of our US dealers are contradicting the general picture and are very successfully selling our two-wheelers. When going into detail, you will find that these dealers are, almost without exception, riding two-wheelers themselves and have been active in the recumbent market for a long time. Another interesting point, we regularly hear of customers who own one of our trikes and after a while decide to buy a two-wheeler in addition. With all this in mind, we consider the current state of recumbent two-wheelers to be founded on a small but solid foundation. With the Street Machine GTE, the Speed Machine, and the foldable touring bike Grasshopper FX, two-wheel recumbents are part of our heritage, and we have no doubt they will continue to play their part in a long and lasting future. <clears throat> Thank you, Michael, for that. And that's, uh, you know, I think it's a direct uh, answer to the basic question we have here uh, and an honest one. So um, now I'm going to go through, I guess, a series of questions and I'm going to ask, we'll go through these questions if we can, the same way you guys introduced yourself. I'm going to ask a question and maybe a little follow-up to that if we can. And we'll start, uh, Hansa, if we can, with you. Uh, and then we'll go down the, the line here and continue. So we're going to talk about sales. So Hansa, tell me about Aza. Uh, how were your sales of two-wheeled uh, bikes this year compared to past years? And what trend are you seeing at this point? So um, I made a little little graph about it. So uh, it's not complete. We started somewhere here at 2000. And this is the... This is not the overall sales, but the, um, the percentage of uh, bikes versus trikes. So when we started with trikes here, we went down. And then you can see the last four, four years, including the 2019, it's basically flat. So and uh, about that, um, so we are steady and I've uh, on 25% of our production our two-wheel recumbents. We had the best year in, uh, with overall in 2010, I believe, with the highest number of uh, two-wheel recumbents sold. And we are now at 50% of that, uh, roughly, with two-wheelers only. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, that's so great. I, that, that thoroughly answers it. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's ask the let's see let's see everyone else's graphs. Let's move along. <laughs> uh, Jim and Maria, show us your graph, would you? Uh, uh, yeah, we, we, we don't sell uh, trikes, so uh, but our sales on and two wheel incumbents are increasing year over year. Okay, and and so you're seeing a, a good trend there. Okay, how yeah. about Mike? Go ahead, tell us about yours. Yeah, no, uh, two-wheel sales started steadying out last year. Um, and then this year we saw a little bit of a decrease. Um, you know, we're in a little bit of a position where we have a lot of used bikes on the market. All right. So, you know, for people to say, well, two-wheels are, sales are dying, I can't agree with that because people are buying a lot of the used bikes. So in some ways, you know, we're, uh, you know, John and I, Schlitter, were actually talking about this a few months ago. It's like, you know, when you make a design that you really believe in, if you believe in it too much and you keep making the same design, it kind of comes back to bite you in the butt. And I think that's what we're experiencing quite a bit because we get a lot of phone calls about our bikes. Problem is, is they're about used bikes. So. Right. That doesn't necessarily help you in terms of sales. No, no, All right. Uh, John, go ahead. Add your voice, if you would. Well, I left Pachetta in 2012 to get back in to the retail part of the business to see what was really going on out there. Um, you know, we knew trikes are big and the shadow we talked about doing it many years trying to get a trike, but I wasn't a trike expert. Most of the rest of the crew wasn't either. So we avoided it. I left Bichetta and started feet bikes and I sold a lot of trikes, but I still sold more two wheel recumbents. So I, have not seen a decline in recumbent two-wheel sales. I've been busy ever since I left selling two-wheel recumbents as long as I could get product. And there's been shortage of products from Bichetta that's hurt me at times. I had shortage of products in my own product, uh, the Encore. So it's always tends to be, in my situation, a lack of product that's hurt me the most. And with my new product, things going good. So. Yes, sales are increasing. And on cruise bikes point, they probably have been the most actively seeking the market and establishing themselves ever since I started riding. The first time we competed against Maria back in 2011, they've just been going after it ever since. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the details of uh, what they're going after. I think that's important to talk about, but let's... Let's finish up here with Jonathan. Uh, don't mean to put you at the end of the line here. Tell us uh, about sales of representing uh, Rands, I guess, and and tell us you know what you see as the market uh, last year or so. Well, I'm going to speak from Rose City uh, okay. as co-owner Rose City First, which is um, at our shop. It's about fifty percent. Uh, I'd looked at the numbers the other day, and it's right down the middle. In other words, fifty percent trikes and fifty percent two wheelers, and I think. Uh, that person, Heiko from HP, he hit on a, a couple of important points, which was um, a lot of it has to do with uh, what the shop or what the owner is into or what the mechanics are into. Uh, that makes a huge difference in the sales, no matter what type of bike you're talking about, whether it's recumbent or upright. Um, there's influencers in each shop or each place or each region that help push that. Um, he also said something important, too, um, in what he wrote to you, which is, People buy a trike and they come back and buy a, a second, you know, they buy a recumbent, a two-wheel recumbent. So that's a real thing that we've experienced time and again. 
And some of our customers come by, come back and buy two or three. And uh, which are all positive things. But Mike hit on something, Mike Wilkerson um, there, he said, he said the used market, Bichetta made such a great product that, that they're still around and, and, and they, they end up buying. And it, it happens at our shop too. They end up buying used off of Craigslist and that hurts, uh, you know, it hurts us in a sense, but it also means that more people are writing recumbents. So it's a, it's a fine line. <laughs> as far as, as far as Rand's uh, is doing, they have a couple successful models now, but uh, Rand's has always been, or at least the last uh, 10 years or so, the, the crank forward has been what's kept it alive. And the two-wheel market, um, luckily, now they have some inroads with the Phoenix and uh, um, this Roselandia we worked on is hopefully going to make some ends for them. But yeah, they're uh, busy fulfilling orders right now. All right. You know, uh, so since we've touched on it, let's let's talk about uh, who the target market is here and how you approach uh, your marketing, because this is really important. Obviously, everyone's uh, talked about you, Jim and Maria, as, as far as what Cruise Bike does. Um, maybe let's start with you because it's, it's kind of interesting. So um, you you have been a huge part of racing and i know you incorporate that as uh, as part of uh, who you're going after so tell us who your target market is not a, you talk about recumbent uh, bikes and is it the recumbent market or in your case is it maybe going after upright riders that are fast riders tell us about your target market and stuff there well, I, I, our target market is anybody who wants to be comfortable on a bike. And I just kind of want to back up and say that this is a slow burn, <laughs> the recumbent industry, especially two-wheel recumbents. I think three-wheel recumbents are easy because they're fun and anybody can jump on and ride it. And it doesn't, you know, they're, they, they're fun. They're like riding a, a grown-up go-kart. So I, But I think the two-wheel market's a slow burn. We often have people, in fact, I just forwarded an email to somebody that said, yeah, I, I tried your bike five years ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since. <laughs> five that's years. A slow burn. <laughs> yeah, that's a really slow burn. But but I, you know, and listening to Sandy, I was really Sandy Earl. I was really inspired, and you know, as an ultra racer myself, I know that patience is so important. And I really I agree that a lot of these uh, trek riders are coming back to the two wheeler coming, but we have to break out of the, you know, guys like us, as our customers say, we have to, we have to reach the larger uh, cycling community. And what, you know, we've of course always worked in the racing, but we've been kind of bumped up against the triathlon and the, the USA cycling, you know, having rules against us, even, even the senior games, although that's starting to change. But, but right now we're really putting a lot of effort into, um, into the adventure cycling market. Those are people who don't care what a bike, you know, looks like and uh, they want to be comfortable. So we're, so, we're, you know, we're just going after people who want to, who want to travel on a bike. We've, we've also, we have a big contingent of our customers who are active in the um, virtual cycling world. So, you know, people on Zwift and so forth, there's, there's a, there's a lot of market out there for us. So I would encourage all of the recumbent cycling people. We, we all have to just stay in it. And I think, I think the break will come if we're out there and if our, if our customers are out there, which they are because they're comfortable and they like to ride our bikes, 
then we'll eventually make inroads. And those people who saw us 10 years ago, maybe, maybe it'll, you know, we'll, we'll get over the tipping point. Yeah. So, the slow burn has to yeah. catch fire at yeah, some point. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah. Hansa, did you want to uh, comment on that? And uh, on the target market, who you go after as far as your uh, sales go? Well, it's, it's, uh, about the same, like Maria said, um, we try to accommodate everybody who, who want to be comfortable on the bike. We are more <clears throat> a touring bike company, so we promote the everyday riding, commuting, but also the, the weekend, weekend rides and uh, long distance trips and so on and so on. And I always say that... Uh, Everybody below 55 years should stay on the two-wheeler or at least try it or it's it's better fit for them. And then everybody above that is uh, a trike person uh, or trike customer, kind of. Of course, there are differences, and uh, uh, but yeah, like this. Okay. And... Uh... Mike, you got a comment on that? You guys don't have to if you want to, Mike, if you do. If not, just, you know, that's fine. Well, the thing I want to point out first and foremost is we have a handful of dealers who do bikes and trikes. And the ones who are actually, the dealers who are actually stocking bikes are doing very well with them. It's not like they're waiting for sales to happen. They're doing well. Um, then we also have groups of dealers who have just said, ah, the hell with it. You know, trikes are what's selling. We'll put a bike in the corner. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but I think what you're going to start seeing, I can't speak for anything else, anybody else there, but what we're going to start seeing, we're actually getting ready to launch a new website, completely redone. Um, you're going to see the focus more directly towards to the customer. And, uh, you know, if, whether or not people like it or not, uh, the move to electric is real. And really, if you look at our bikes, the only real way we can say we're making a full change to our bike design is, you know, going electric. Um, you know, so I think you're going to start seeing those things happening. I think they have to happen whether or not you like electric or not. That's where bicycles are going. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I think with that and I think with what we're doing at uh, uh, Sebring, spearheaded by the Parkers, um, you know, we gotta, we gotta get people to want to go there as well. Um, you know, we have to ignite some sort of passion, uh, again, about two wheels, because I think they are very viable, if not more viable. And I think we have to overcome the inherent fear that people have these days about a lot of things in, in life and society. Cause what I hear a lot is, well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to fall over and hurt something. It's like uh, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I I, I didn't hear that. Maybe you heard it once a year from somebody, but now it's like every other person you talk to, they're scared. They're, they have a fear about something's going to happen to them. And, you know, their significant other doesn't want them to get hurt. Their kids don't want them to get hurt. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it, we're in an interesting time right now, I guess is the best thing I can say. No doubt. All right. Let me, um, I don't want to skip over John and Jonathan on this question. You can address this too, but I, this has already been mentioned a couple of times, including at the very beginning when Heiko was talking about this, when he said, we have a great, we have great success when people go to bike shops 
where there are advocates for two-wheelers. Uh, you guys, I think all are probably going to agree with this, and I want to know how important it is. So you go to a bike shop, they have uh, two-wheeled bents there to ride, and the people that work there ride them so they know about them, and they're going to be advocates for them, as opposed to going to a shop that maybe only has trikes or has one or two stuck in the corner, as we've talked about. Um, Jonathan, I'm going to go to you. We'll reverse our way back around. Uh, you can talk about the target market, but I don't want to leave you out of that if if that's important. But I really want to know about how important, as a as a, especially as a retailer, how important is it to have the bikes there and people there know about them in terms of uh, getting them sold? Well, that, that makes all the difference. I mean, we try to have a variety at our shop. And, of course, um, I'm familiar with every type. So that's been... Uh, great for us. Uh, it's been, you know, they come in, they say, I've never seen this bike and it. They'll come from, you know, three or 400 miles away to buy or to see a bike. And usually that turns into a sale later on, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's the most important thing. What you're, what you're seeing in the, in the trike market, so to speak, is dealers that are starting up that, that have never worked with two wheelers at all. And then, uh, with them, a recumbent is a three-wheel, you know, it is a trike. So, in, in fact, we have people that come in at some point, sometimes that say, oh, I didn't know they made two-wheel recumbents, <laughs> right? So, uh, it's a perception thing, and uh, I think everyone's on the right track here in the sense that, uh, you know, getting together for this one event and another event that was suggested was uh, basically a rolling tour, a rolling review like uh, Bob Dylan did, you know, where we all get together and we all go to different dealers and uh, kind of educate them about the ones that have, uh, that don't know about two wheel recumbents and how it works. And I'm not talking about just targeting uh, existing recumbent dealers. I'm talking about other dealers that, that are, there's progressive uh, bike shops out there in, Maria knows of, of a couple that are not necessarily recumbent dealers, but they want to have something, you know, they want to have one there or they want to have a couple there and they want to know about them. So the positive part is some of the people that are buying bikes now, some of the millennials, few though they are, they have no uh, cultural bias towards a recumbent. They just want to get around and do it in comfort and uh, the, the real problem is what Mike touched on, which is the electric and how that's changed the landscape of everything, not just recumbents, but the whole bike industry. Yeah. John, let's let's hold off on the electric because I actually am going to ask that question to everybody. Okay. We'll we'll do that. Very important, of course. OK. Um, and now bef I'm going to I've got to let's see. Sandy Earl actually asked about dealer margin and profit and pay. And, and so I want to ask you and John, because you both are retailers. Um, how does that play as, as someone who owns a, a bike shop? Obviously this is an important question. You got to make some money on what you sell. How does the margin that you receive from manufacturers play into your decision about what you stock? Go ahead, Jonathan. And then John, uh, you go ahead. I, I don't look at that as much. There is a wide variance I wouldn't say wide, but there's, there's, you know, a definite percentage difference between D between the vendors. Uh, but I don't let that dictate because I want to get, I want to get everything on the floor, you know, and I want people to come in and feel they have choices. So uh, it's more about providing the product 
uh, and we do have to make money too, but uh, that's not the first thing I think about. Okay. And John? I would say that margins are never enough. Any bike shop will say, oh, we don't get enough margin. We don't get enough margin. That's this battle cry that we've always fought when I was at Rand's, when I was at Bichetta. You know, dealers are always fixated on a good margin. But there's just nothing pushing dealers to sell recumbents at this point. So margins aren't really critical. I think Mike mentioned that they're looking at possibly looking more direct in the Bichetta line, which is totally understandable. I mean, uh, Cruise Bike does a dual marketing at dealers. They go direct. I technically don't have dealers. And I would love to have it, but I don't have big margins in my product. I'm trying to keep them competitive on the market. So, yeah. yeah makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Um, where I want to go next is, uh, again, something that we've touched on. Let's let's continue the thought uh, and it has to do with e-assist. So that's all anyone's talking about. Certainly in the trike market, it's taken it by storm. And I know that um, many of you have also uh, recently uh, introduced either new products or <clears throat> have thought about doing that. So let's go down the line, start back to Hansi again. What part does e-assist play? We're talking about the two-wheel market here. What part does it play in two-wheelers uh, for you guys at Aza? Well, I may, I may have some comments about the dealers later on if you if you would no, like. You to go ahead and do that first then. That's, let's complete that thought. Okay, okay. because there were – I have visited about 150 uh, recumbent shops around the road already. And uh, if, you know, uh, either Rose City or, or Schlitters or s few others, if they have a, if they have a, a very good range of two-wheel recumbents, they can do 50 to 50, but that's very rare. But there are more or uh, more of the dealers who have a very nice range of two-wheel recumbents and also the trikes. And they usually, if they, if they are, um, ha they have the history of riding two-wheelers or they ride it even um, by themselves, they can do like, 20 to 30 percent of two wheelers compared to trikes and then of course there are the pure trike dealers even some which are quite aggressive towards two wheelers like saying they're dangerous whatever stuff like this and uh, regarding the dealer margins i don't think there uh, i have met just a few uh, few dealers who were really focused and uh, or or were you know taking care a lot about margins and uh, but if you compare the two wheelers and trikes it's usually about the same in terms of percentage so but you have more work with the two wheel uh, customers you need to usually teach them. Uh, how to ride them. It's it's usually more work for, for the dealers to do it. And that's also a point with the standard bike shops that uh, they all get used to work differently to the recumbent shops because the standard bike shops, you walk in, you see the bike, you buy the bike, and uh, they don't need to teach anybody to ride that thing. You know, So it's much more difficult for them to 
to accommodate it. Uh, a new model, new bike as a two-wheeler, but they they usually tend toward uh, towards a, a trike. Let's say if they are willing to have a, a recumbent uh, okay. in the shop. Okay, and talk so about the yeah. Talk about the E assist and the E assist. Uh, again, the graph. <laughs> um, here you have the percentage, uh, and the red line is the percentage of E assist bikes, two-wheelers, compared to ESS trikes. So what we can see, there are like more and more two-wheel recumbents uh, with electric assists, but um, that's very still very, very small amount of the production, but the trikes are ramping up. So um, what I would say, and that's like... What we can see is also that if you want the full comfort, it's uh, the the electric assist, and then usually a trike because you know you don't. The electric assists are usually uh, people who are elder, and then of course they are afraid of having some injury, whatever. So they tend uh, to buy the trikes, and they usually do. But we try to approach the some of the younger generation to have, let's say, the trikes or bikes big ESs as more of the like fun stuff to ride and uh, and so on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jim and Maria, over up there, you have something to say, I think, about the ESs, don't you? Yeah, I'll I'll take that. So there have been cruise bike e cruise bikes since we started 2005 2006. People were immediately electrifying them. Some people put gas powered assist on cruise bikes from from the get go because of that rear wheel is completely unencumbered. It's just a nice canvas to put on power assist and give you all wheel drive. Basically, you know, power the front wheel with your with your legs and then some kind of assist on, on the rear wheel so uh yeah it's, it's just really fun and you know we we've been uh working on getting one out market it's about to be released tuesday uh, on tuesday tuesday so tuesday is the launch get on get online and order one on tuesday yeah we designed the t50 model to be really robust and, and strong to take uh e assist so that's that's the platform we're using our t50 model and uh, so, you know, it's just really fun. All recumbents, uh, cruise bike included, you know, they're, they're all harder to get started. That's, the, you know, because you can't stand up like you can on a, on a traditional bike and get that first pedal stroke in with, with, your, with your body weight. So um, it just makes, just makes the starting just effortless. Uh, we, we use the throttle assist uh, on that. Uh, and it just, it's, it's great super, fun. Super, super really, fun. really excited about it. Yeah, I like so, what Hans said. I think it's going to attract a younger uh, People, and it's a very urban friendly bike. Yes, yeah, for stopping and starting, if you're going through town, you got to stop every block. Uh, the e assist, it, just to get started, just to get off the line, there's nothing like it. All righty. And uh, okay, I want to move on here. Uh, Jonathan, I know you started talking about e assist. Did you, anybody else want to say anything else about e assist before we move along? Okay, that's great. Um, let's. Let's kind of circle back here now to uh, racing uh, and events. 
this is kind of what this all started with, uh, trying to find ways to get people interested. And so I, I'm, I'm going to ask each, I think we'll start again with uh, Jim and Maria, because boy, you guys are a big part of all this. What other sorts of, uh, of events do you foresee coming up? And uh, maybe we can start talking about racing, though, in general. H how can we use racing uh, to improve the popularity of, of two-wheeled events? I'll let you do that one. Uh, well, I think, I think when recumbents do well in racing, I think it, it blows a lot of people's expectations. They, they, they picture recumbents as slow. And so anything we can do to show that they're, they're not – they're not slow necessarily, um, changes perceptions. So um, I, I think that the way we're gonna really break through all of us as, as, as makers of two-wheel recumbents it is to get more accepted uh, in performance-oriented racing. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing the adventure cycling, but, but if, we can, if we could break into the triathlon market, if we could, we could be permitted to, you know, just get over the ban uh, I think all of our sales would just go through the roofs because, you know, why would you not ride a more comfortable, faster bike? And I've been working on the safety issue, and we, we talked about it on this show before, but uh, I've got some some more uh, development on the safety issue, doing some uh, kind of basic research on with regard to center of mass and uh, the, the forward entries, the, the endovers and so forth. If we can, if we can, uh, scientifically show the insurance companies because that's it always comes down to the insurance companies that, that's the ultimate excuse to ban recumbents oh well our insurance won't won't cover that if we can actually get insurance companies just like insurance companies promoted like wearing seatbelts okay you're going to wear seatbelts because they're safer so insurance companies like hey if you if if your bicycle event goes from one percent recumbent to twenty percent recumbent your injury rate for from you know broken clavicles drops by twenty percent or thirty percent, that'll save them you know whatever two hundred million dollars a year. I mean if we can if we can get them to actually like help us promote recumbent cycling because the insurance companies are actually save money. The larger the percentage of people are riding recumbents, which I believe the data will show that, then all of a sudden people are riding Schlitter bikes and Rands and. Azubs and cruise bikes and Bichettas and and we're all you know happy in the two wheel laughing all the way to the back going up again and uh, I think it'd be better for cycling you know, so, you know I paid a road. <laughs> all right well good thanks for the banking comment we haven't had banking mentioned on the show I don't think at all Maria so that's good all right um, kind of uh, keeping with the uh, the racing. Um, for this uh, for this battle of the uh, brands, you have a, a twelve hour and a, a century ride, uh, which is is typical. And Sebring also has twenty four hour race, as I recall as well. I'm wondering about the uh, the recumbent riders who would be interested in riding uh, their two wheelers, but maybe not such long distances. Maybe more uh, time trial things. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, uh, 10, 20 mile kinds of races, that kind of thing. Do you think there's a place in events like maybe not Sebring specifically, but senior games, whatever other sorts of events you could envision, do you think it's a place for maybe shorter uh, uh, races as well? To And do you think that would incorporate more people? Um, 
Yeah, John, you go. Yeah, we haven't heard yeah. from you for a little bit, and you're yeah, a guy. I, I just had a guy come by from uh, Nebraska. He came down and raced the Florida State Championships, and he's been going around racing all these senior games on his Schlitter Freestyle. Doesn't even have it set up for speed. He runs 42 tires on it, but he's just out there having a great time. So, yes, I do think the senior games is a very viable place to get exposure and also show the seniors like they don't already know recumbents are great. (laughs) Yeah, but but having fun at senior games and the camaraderie and the talk about recumbents and seeing all the other ones there, I think it's an important thing. So um, any of you guys want to talk a little bit about what else you may have in mind down the road for uh, these events? I know you've had some discussions. I don't know if you're ready to talk about any of them yet. Yeah, I'd like to, I, I want to talk about senior games for a second too. Um, the, there are a few, just a, a few years ago, we had a guy on a cruise bike who wasn't allowed to compete because he was on a recumbent in the North Carolina senior games. Um, but that, that seems to be changing. And, and we have, thanks to a few really persistent seniors who want to participate in these games and they're writing the organizers and the organizers have just said no because it's easier to say no than to say yes, right? Um, and you know, one of the things that the WUCA is doing, the World Ultra Recycling Association, is to try to write rules that that sort of encompass uh, recumbents. Because anyway, but the point is, it, the senior games is slowly starting to fall. That the different organizers, the state organizers, are slowly starting to allow recumbents, which makes sense because they do have bowling and senior games. And yard darts. I mean, if they they can do those, they can certainly allow recumbents. But um, but the the other thing that I think we all need to do, and this is again not racing related, is we need to continue working on our marketing. And I know it's expensive, but um, you know we we have to we have to look good all around. You know, we our, our bikes have to be beautiful. And I think uh, the the latest bike that John Schlitter's produces is absolutely stunning. You know, our bikes have to look sophisticated. They got to hang out next to two-wheeled recumbents and look good. We, our, our advertising has to look good. Our websites have to look good. You know, we have to we have to compete on the big stage, even though we're little companies. And I think, you know, if we work together and we don't, you know, we don't try to tear each other down too much, you know, this friendly competition is great, but we all have to be we have to get to the next level of sophistication. And then the other thing is we all, and I think we all do this in this, this group here, but we we have to provide excellent customer service to our, and, you know, I know that you all got, you guys all do that, but if a, if, a, if a person, you know, has trouble with their bike, you know, we, we will, I mean, even if they bought it, a used 10-year-old cruise bike, we're supporting them because that's, that's what keeps you in the game for a long time. Um, so there's, I mean, I think there's a lot we can do and continue to do as an industry to get better, uh, continue working together, continue talking to, you know, talking to each other um, and, and continue trying to, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. If, if we get a little bit of, if each of us gets, you know, if when, when I saw John Schlitter, when I saw your new bikes, I was like, that's beautiful. We can do better. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I want, I want to be at your level, you know, and I want you guys, I want everybody to, you know, we need to all, work on all these these aspects to become better. And I think we can, and I think we will be laughing all the way to the bank in about 30 or 40 years. 
<laughs> yeah, you talk about your slow burn. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, John. Were you gonna Were you gonna respond? Or See? Yeah, I, God, I, said, yeah, I think the gauntlet has been thrown be down by Maria. So let's hear from you guys. Well, I was I was well, going to no, say I think, uh, I think go ahead, John. I was going to say Maria ahead, is absolutely right. Oh God, John! I can't hear who's talking. Okay, Jonathan, Jonathan, you go ahead. Well, yeah, and, and what she's saying there is that, that uh, well, the people that are going to stay in the game are the ones that, that bring, I mean, even a, even a $500 specialized is a finished product, you know. And so I think the point she's trying to make there is that, uh, you know, everyone, it's slowly getting better. But if you set it up next to, a, it's a perception thing, when you set it next to a two-wheel uh, upright bike, it has to, it has to match that level of quality. And we're starting to see that we're seeing, we're seeing the internal routing, we're seeing the bolt, you know, the, the axle through, and we're seeing all these little things that make a, a difference to that uh, market we're trying to attract now, which is, is a wider, you know, and as everyone said, cruise bike has done the best job of marketing and, and actually getting people from outside the normal recumbent circle. So, right, which is about uh, opening up the market. I mean, that's one of the targets we're looking at. Uh, Mike, you were, I'm sorry, I, I kind of interrupted you. Go ahead and tell us what you were going to say. Mike. Uh, well, I think what actually was I was going to say was uh, Jonathan Garcia actually hit on something a little while ago that I, I thought was kind of a key point in that. And that's that the consumer has changed, right? I mean, uh, the with millennial, whatever you want to label them, whatever. You know, there's guys that I started with um, as dealers back in the late 90s, early 2000s who were in their 60s then. Uh, same with riders. And, you know, they're getting to a point now where they're like, I, I can't do this anymore. Or they're retiring if they're a dealer. So we've, we've assumed a whole group of baby boomers, whatever you want to call them, up to a group of people now who are looking at this and going, like what Jonathan said, I, that, that was a very good point, Jonathan. It's like, I don't want that. I don't want that for that. So, you know, I think we have to, going back to Mar what Maria said, we have to really work on our marketing. Um, our, the product's been better than it ever has been. I mean, compared to what it was 15, 20 years ago. Um, but we have to do better than that. And we have to understand how today's consumer thinks and buys and what they want. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's all I really have to say. Okay. No, important. All right, guys. Um, let's kind of wrap this up here. I'm going to uh, I'm going to ask for your final thoughts and ask uh, if you would end up with telling me how optimistic or pessimistic you are. I, I have an idea what you're going to say. Tell us how optimistic you are uh, about the two wheeled uh, recumbent uh, market that you guys are all engaged in, and uh, where do you see it going? Uh, let's start with Hansa. Okay, uh, well, I, I wanted to, to comment a little bit more the, the, the some thoughts uh, done before. Um, I think that we really have an issue to, as, as the recumbent manufacturers, uh, two-wheel recumbent manufacturers, to promote the stories, the, the results from the races and so on, even within the recumbent market, you know, and... Uh, and then outside of the recumbent market, it's it's even harder. So you hardly see uh, different stories, posts, blog posts about recumbents, two-wheel recumbents somewhere, which would be cool 
and uh, and uh, like inviting people from the non-recumbent part of the bicycling world to to try two wheelers and uh, not the three wheelers or whatever. And then about the future, I think uh, we we see that it it was uh, the sales or uh, the the percentage of uh, two wheeler recumbents compared to trikes is kind of steady in last four or five years. And I think uh, there is a way, uh, a future which will be like a, a bit higher, but I don't think we can get to a, to a level of 50 to 50 with trikes. Uh, and overall, like uh, it's again, uh, compared to upright bike, let's say, uh, we can do better with the marketing stuff. We can try to promote as much as we can. And uh, the future depends on that for sure. So, but we would need some really great uh, stories or changes. So there is a, a huge increase in the sales, I guess. Yeah, makes sense. All right. Thank you, Hansa. Um, all right. And uh, before we go on to uh, Jim and Maria, uh, Brian's been waiting patiently behind the scenes. So after we get done with you, uh, with you folks, uh, we're going to have Brian on to talk uh, about his thoughts about this and uh, and a couple final questions, too. So, Brian, stay with us, buddy. You'll be on shortly. Maria and Jim, please tell us uh, about your final thoughts and uh, how optimistic you are. <laughs> Depends on the day, <laughs> and we will take your thoughts to the bank, Maria. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I am an ultra racer, and before that, I was a marathoner. Um, I know, I know how you get these things done, and I'm just gonna say it. We're not hedging our bets with trikes or anything else, but you have to stay in the market. You gotta, you know, you have to listen. You gotta keep your eye on the prize, but you know, and listen. I'm. I'm agreeing with everybody. You got to, you got to be sensitive to the market, but we also just have to stay in there. What, what, what Jim says to me all the time that I found really encouraging is if we can stay alive as a company, something is going to happen. This is such a great product. We're all in it because we know we love it. We know I can't even imagine getting on an upright bike right now, our traditional frame bike. So this is a great product. And if we, if we could just hang in there and keep doing the best, keep throwing stuff out there. I think, I think we're going to be successful, but it, but we have to stay viable to hang in there. And that's what we're working really hard on is just keep selling bikes, keep trying new things. Adver we're advertising this year uh, pretty heavily in Venture Cycling Magazine, hoping to get that that group of people who just you know want to get out there and be comfortable and they don't care. There's no there's no rules about what kind of bike you, you ride when you're you know traveling across the country. So, yeah, just hang in there, guys. Let's 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 keep the, let's keep the industry alive. And I think we're going to be. I think we're going to be successful. We're doing, we're not growing as quickly as, as we, I wish we were, but we are continuing to, to grow. So. Jeez, I should have put you last Maria. Now. <laughs> All right, you guys are going to have to really rally here. Mike, uh, tell me, are you optimistic? What's your final thoughts on this? Uh, I, I'm optimistic, but I'm, it's, it's like you got to work hard to keep that optimism because it's slow. Phone calls have been sent to the phone to make sure they're working some days. Um, <laughs> but then you get those pops and where you're going like, oh, this is, this is working. So I know we got the product. Um, I know we got great people. I mean, at Bichetta, we got Jeremy, who's awesome. Everybody out there who's worked with Bichetta knows Jeremy. 
Um, we got, you know, Swanson, who's the, the mad scientist behind the scenes, and we've partnered with Lars and Archer. So we got a good team. We got the good product. Um, like Maria said, I'm said, we got to just keep our head in the game, keep plugging away and remind people we're here and, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to improve our product. So yeah, I'm pessimistic on a daily basis sometimes, but I'm optimistic long. That's great. Fair enough. All right, John. Well, I've been involved two wheel. Well, actually I was involved in three wheel recumbents before two wheels when Randy, my brother, at Rand's company, designed the Rand cell trike. It was a street legal selling machine that was a recumbent. So in 78, we built our first two-wheeler, and then we plotted along, and there was a point where Randy asked me what we need to do with the recumbents, and we had like 40 of them sold, and I was 400-some aircraft behind, and I told Randy, I said, let's dump the recumbents and focus on the airplanes. And he goes, no, no, recumbents got us to where we are. There'll be a day that they'll pay us back. And he has great vision. So in the 90s, airplanes were going great. All of a sudden, we had one of those big bumps in recumbents. And uh, Rands was there to answer it. As Mike knows, he was there along that big ride up into 2000. And then uh, after I left that, I started Pichetta and a great crew, great times at Pichetta. We, we had a lot of momentum. We did a lot of things. Uh, I, when I first won the race across Florida, it was like a, sh- a shot around the world. A recumbent beat all these traditional road racers. What the heck? Even Bella News had a line on it in their, on their website. So as we kept coming on. We had the Bichetta team. We had the uh, Bichetta family. Things going great. Right now... As we went down the road, I, I, Gardner Martin, on a last visit with him out in Freedom, California, he told me, John, it's up to you to grow recumbents. And I'm now I'm going to pass that on to Maria and Jim. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you guys to grow recumbents because you've taken what we were doing at Pachetta and you've done it so much better. And uh, that's great. But don't forget the little guy here who's doing this all on his own, still makes a big impact selling a lot of two-wheel recumbents. That's right. <laughs> all right, John, passing the torch right here on the Layback Bike Report. Uh, amazing. Thank you, John. And uh, Jonathan, tell us about uh, your final thoughts and your optimism or pessimism. Well, I think uh, John and Mike described, uh, and I was going to actually bring them into the conversation, but the, they already described it, which is the waves that happen with any product or any type. And in this case, we're, we just don't know where we are in the wave, right? So uh, we're trying to predict what's going to happen in the future. But it's, uh, for me, it's positive. But that's also my own vision of my own, you know, our own region and how well we're doing personally. So uh, I need to talk to everyone else to find out how the other shops are doing and whatnot. But I'm positive. I mean, it's part of my personality. So I, I believe in all everyone's product here. And I think that, I think that, uh, with, with the right movers and shakers, it's going to be, uh, it's going to keep happening, but we just don't know where we are in the wave. So it'll come back around. Uh, and part of it is what we do now that determines that. Absolutely. All right, guys. So, uh, okay. I'm going to try to juggle here a little bit. First of all, 
thank you all so much. Uh, that, that You all worked hard to work with me to get yourselves on the show, make sure all this worked out okay. So thank you for taking the time for uh, for learning more about the, the two-wheel recumbent bike uh, market and helping share that information with our, our viewers. I think it's an incredibly important subject, dear to my heart and dear to many of our viewers' hearts. So. Um, I'm going to bring Brian on, but I, we, uh, I can't uh, get him on with all six of us on. So, Brian, I think I'm going to uh, drop back into the background and let you come on up. First, um, I'm going to get your, uh, if you could, get your thoughts on what you've seen. And then I have a couple questions for you as well. So, guys, you stick on. And, Brian, if you have questions for these guys, go ahead and do it. Uh, I'm going to go back down. And here uh, you come. Boom. Hey, there I am. There he is. Hey, everybody. Hey, I'm in a different place today, so sorry if the lighting's a bit weird. Um, I wanted to, uh, I just wanted to start out. I did take some notes. I've been watching the whole thing. So um, I, I think uh, what I noticed at RCC this year was I was very happy to see more more uh, two-wheelers on the test track. It wasn't quite 50-50, but it could see it from where it was standing. There was a whole lot of two-wheelers on the test track that was great to see. And as Heiko and Hansa said, that just points out to because they were there. Just like dealers, if you want to sell more, you, you have to have them. And we had, you know, the new Schlitter Freestyle. We had the new Performers, the, uh, the Carver. Um, on a completely different scale, you know, the recycle recumbents and stuff, and they people were riding them, and they were there, so people were riding them, people were trying cruise bikes were out there all over the place, that T50, you probably had to recharge that battery about 90 times on that cruise bike, but it's it's just, it's if they're there, people will try and people will ride them. Now, I do think that it is, as uh, I can't remember which one of you alluded to it, uh, and I haven't worked in retail, but I haven't worked in retail for uh, several years, but when I did, um, the trikes are, in a way, a bit easier to sell. Yeah. Uh, there's no learning curve. They can just hop on them. Uh, some people are really picky. I think trike riders are, as a whole, even pickier than two-wheel riders. So you may spend a bit more time with a customer, but usually you spend more time with a two-wheeler customer because uh, they want to ride every single little thing because they're so vastly different. Trikes are – the tadpole trike is – they're all there's differences, but overall – it's kind of, you know, the same concept where with two wheelers, you have long wheelbase, short wheelbase, front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, all kinds of stuff that you just have to walk a customer through where a trike is a trike and it's just easier to ride. You know, it's easier to, would you agree with that, Jonathan? Is that something that you see that well, you spend I, less I, time with trike customers than with two wheel customers? Well, sometimes the, the, the trike customers are, are spinning, they're going to spin four or $5,000. So if you're spending that much, you end up spending quite a bit of time with them. But uh, yeah. a lot of it is how you present the two wheeler. So I'm saying time wise, it's pretty close, but uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, you're on the right track. It, one's, one's just easier. If it's a balance issue or something, of course, they're going to choose the trike. And some people yeah. come, come in with the intention of buying a two wheeler and buy a trike and vice versa. So, uh, I guess I'd speak in gen in general. What you're saying is is correct. And, and I think another factor that we don't talk about that why two wheelers declined a little bit, and it's it's kind of a, a touchy subject. I'm, I'm going to try to put it as delicately as I can, but a lot of the recumbent market is 
aging out, especially in America. I don't think so much in Europe. I think a lot of younger people in Europe ride them than in America. But in America, we had that big boom a few years ago. And a lot of those people are aging out. And they're aging out of two-wheelers faster than they're aging out of trikes because they're easier to ride. You're not going to fall down. You're not going to break a hip and stuff like that. And that's also why I think the e-assist is blown up. Is you know, it's just if you're 75 and looking at buying your next your next recumbent, yeah, you might you might go you know you might go for a trike instead of a two wheeler. Do you, do you agree with that? Well, one of the things I noticed, um, one of the things I noticed, kind of touching base on what you said last time, Brian, is that it seems as though I talked to a lot of dealers at the show. And they're like, you know, we spend a lot of time with customers who come in and, and look at trikes. It's not like they're not spending, you know, it's not like 10 minutes and they're out the door. Oh, no, I think no, the difference no. is, is they may spend, you know, 30 minutes to an hour trying to get somebody to be able to ride a two wheel. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, but with a trike, they learn how to ride it in 30 seconds. And the rest of the time they're trying to decide which, which damn trike they want to buy and how much stuff they want to put on it. Brian, I sent you back for just a second because I just want to uh, guide you a little bit more and let you, you're doing a great job continuing through this. I want to ask Brian a, a couple of questions and then I'll let you continue and, uh, and go with the rest of the panel. Um, we've talked a lot today about uh, short wheelbase and long wheelbase and a lot of questions, I guess, maybe even more than we've talked about them. So Brian, if you could uh, maybe uh, do a, a quick primer for those who aren't real clear about what that means. What's the difference between a short wheelbase and a long wheelbase? And uh, we also had, uh, John talked about uh, Gardner Martin. And so let's step back uh, with this conversation as well. What can we learn from uh, the change in popularity of, of some of those very early bents? that did real well for a while and then didn't. Does that have anything to do, do you think, with, uh, does that apply at all to, to the problems that maybe we're looking at today with the two-wheelers? So with that, let me get out of here again. And um, Yeah, I think I think it goes back to what, uh, I think it was Jonathan, yeah, I wrote a note down about it. It's the, it was the production values. I mean, it's the, the two-wheelers that have stuck around uh, look like a factory bike. A lot of the ones that were amazing bikes, Easy Racer, Haluzak comes to mind, you know, they were fantastic bikes, but they didn't look like a Trekker specialized as far as production quality goes. And it's even small things like the paint, you know, graphics, stuff like that. Cruise Bike's done a great job of that. Pachetta's done a great job of that. They're still around. You know, they're still doing well. That's that's what the, the Schlitter Freestyle is a fantastic looking bike. It's That's, that's stuff that matters and i think a lot of the old school attitudes with even though i, I you know gardner is my hero and I, I love the man you know hose clamps and mismatched bolts don't don't fly anymore and those companies that stuck with that stuff are going away and it's just kind of a lesson i mean an easy racer had 11 millimeter bolts that hold the seat on who has an 11 millimeter spanner you know it's just like it was just uh, just little stuff like that that uh, they wouldn't listen to and wouldn't change for old time's sake, and now you know they're gone. And uh, it's, it's stuff like that. I think the production values really matter a lot. And I don't think long wheelbase versus short wheelbase. You people say a lot. I saw in the comments. Uh, I have a long wheelbase because it's easier to ride. And I don't I don't agree with that. I've ridden almost everything. I had some long wheelbases that were very, very easy to ride. I had some that were nightmares. Same with short wheelbase. It just depends on the design. It doesn't. 
really depend on the format. Um, and you said to say, explain the differences. Yeah, short wheelbase means the cranks are in front of in, in front of the wheel. Long wheelbase means they're behind the wheel. You can kind of think of it like a uh, mid-engine or a front-engine car. It's kind of easy easy analogy to think of. Um, but yeah, I think it just depends on the design as far as how easy they are to ride. And you got to stuff's got to look good now. That's just how it is. We are a consumeristic society, and we're going to make a snap judgment, and we want it to look good. And cruise bikes look good. You know, Schlitters look good. The freestyle looks good. That's an easy, that's a much easier sell than something that has kind of funky paint and hose clamps on it. Okay. There I am again. Brian, thanks. I'm going to bring you back in a minute after we uh, say goodbye to uh, these uh, wonderful people of the recumbent two-wheeled brain trust. So, uh, guys, um, thanks again. I, I thanked you once, but I want to thank you again for uh, putting on, I think, uh, this very important show. We will be talking again, uh, I'm sure, soon. I'll have you all back on from one time uh, to another. So, but for now, uh, thanks, and uh, we'll keep uh, looking and thinking about two-wheeled recumbents for uh, for some time to come, I'm sure. So, so long, everybody. Thank Bye. you, Alex. Thanks thanks All right. Bye -bye. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. All right. If you want to come on back to me, thanks, Lars. Um, and we can, uh, yeah, go ahead and bring... Uh, uh, you don't have to bring them up, but bring them out of backstage there, and we can have Brian ready too. Um, okay, guys. So at this point, I want to talk uh, once again uh, about uh, our wonderful sponsors, TerraCycle, from fairings to headrests, whatever accessory you need, padding crew. Well, they got you covered. And Trailside Dot Bike. If you find yourself in Florida near the Withlacoochee Trail, stop in and see Andrew and his crew. And Cruise Bike, their patented race and record proven front wheel drive geometry changes the rules of cycling. Now, comfort doesn't have to come at the cost of performance, but fair warning, your cheeks may hurt from smiling. And our latest sponsor, TerraTrike. Wherever your ride leads, TerraTrike has a trike to take you there. Be sure to follow TerraTrike on Facebook for information on the TerraTrike Hot Winter promo. All right, guys. Uh, wow, that was really interesting. Um, it was uh, really fun to talk with all those great luminaries from the uh, recumbent two-wheeled world. We're going to move along here to uh, our last segment about uh, uh, from uh, viewer submissions. And we have one today from uh, Andrew Jackson. Let me read uh, what Andrew has to say. Aloha. I am a bent rider in Hawaii. I have had a Bechetta Strata for 10 plus years. My first bent was an action bent, and my next ride will most likely be a Schlitter bike. I want to go uh, full 700C with disc brake, but I need to save up and figure out shipping to Hawaii. I have just discovered these Ride Safe Reflective stickers, which I purchased mainly because they had a recumbent bike in their main graphic. Let's go back to that first one if we could, Trey, because I, I thought that was really cool. You can just, there you go. Yeah. So I guess that's what uh, attracted Andrew there. So um, I have now installed these on my Strata. And wow, I am very pleased with them. 
and they are incredibly visible, as you can see. Mahala, as he says, from Hawaii. So thank you, Andrew, uh, for sending uh, those pictures and uh, that uh, viewer submission in. So folks, uh, if you have something you want to share with uh, the Laid Back Black Report uh, viewers on our show, please uh, send me pictures or accounts of uh, maybe some interesting rides or products or anything that you think is of importance and send them to laidbackbikereport at gmail.com and we'll see if we can add them uh, to our next show. And speaking of our next show, the next Laidback Bike Report will be January 8th at 2 p.m at 2 p.m. Eastern time. And we're going to have a couple of interesting segments. First, uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Pete uh, Cullen from Sports Crafters. Uh, I recently uh, met Pete at the uh, Pacific Trike Fest in Portland and uh, really didn't know too much about him and his products. What an interesting guy he is. And he makes all of these here in uh, not too far from me in Indiana. And uh, so we're going to talk to Pete about what he does at Sports Crafters and how he makes these uh, amazing trainers that are made uh, specifically for trikes and uh, learn as much as we can about that. So that should be fun. And also another gentleman I was introduced to online, William Galloway. Now, uh, William has been uh, triking across the, the country for quite some time. He is doing so with a traumatic brain injury and uh, trying to promote uh, what he can to, uh, uh, to to help with traumatic brain injuries and to uh, show what people can do if they really put their mind to it. So uh, there is uh, William, and we're, we're looking forward to talking to him next month as well. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's get our remaining panelists up here, so I can uh, I can thank everybody. There we go, uh, Brian. Thanks for being so patient. Uh, no, no problem. I, 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 it was kind of hard to flip around uh, getting everything going, but uh, you did great. I, I appreciate that. And uh, we missed Peter. I don't know what happened to Peter, but we'll we'll hopefully catch up with him next month. So uh, Lars, yeah, that was tough. Thanks for doing all the switching around. We appreciate that. And Trey, great job on the picks as always. So uh, there's my crew for today, guys. Uh, they're wonderful. They're great. Uh, couldn't do the show without them. So thanks, guys. Now, uh, again, guys, if you could uh, please remember to like our Facebook page, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And again, uh, if you look up in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see that little eye. Uh, click on it, take it to our web page, and you will be able to find... Uh, past broadcasts, uh, our special uh, reports, everything that we do, we put up there so you can uh, find it at any time. So uh, we would appreciate that. So thanks again, Brian, for the promotional support on Bent Rider that you always uh, give us. And most of all, thanks to all you guys, as always, for watching the Laid Back Bike Report. So until our next webcast, from all of us here at the Laid Back Bike Report, so long, Bent Riders.